welcome to Connected, episode 214. It is made possible this week by our sponsors, Squarespace, Luna Display, and PayPal. I'm your host, Stephen Hackett, and I am joined by my two co-hosts. I've got Michael Hurley here. Hello, Mike. Hello, Stephen Hackett. And I have Federico Vitici. Hey there. How are you? I'm, I'm good. We are together. We have lots of of things to talk about. This document is just... It's out of control. Unending. <laughs> a mm. lot of stuff. It's unhinged. So I think we should dive right in, and we're going to start follow-up, and we're going to start follow-up with a set of apologies. Okay. First okay. first one is to Pixel 2 owners. How many do we have? I only see two apologies. Is that a set? Well, no, I'm okay. also going to demand an apology. Oh, wow. <laughs> we'll, just, okay. we'll just wait for that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. The Pixel had a headphone jack, and they made a big deal of it. The Pixel 2 did not, and I, I conflated those phones and said the Pixel 2 had a headphone jack, and I'm very sorry I heard from all of you. Um, please forgive me for being incorrect about that. Uh, we also accidentally lobbed a grenade right into the FileMaker camp, and they lobbed it back saying, hey, we're still here. We're still alive and kicking. We heard from several people who have elaborate databases in FileMaker, which I think is awesome. I like tools that last a really long time. We were not making fun of you, FileMaker user, I promise. There was someone who was like at a FileMaker conference or something. Mm-hmm. This yes. is serious. FileMaker is no joke. Mm-hmm. I'll say this. I will go. I will say, if you run a FileMaker conference and you would like an Apple podcast to record live during your conference, oh we promise God. not to make more than three FileMaker jokes. I think so. that you would enjoy it, right? <laughs> like if we're in, if we're at a FileMaker I've... conference to make fun of FileMaker, it's like FileMaker roast. I want to do a mm. FileMaker roast. So if someone who runs a FileMaker conference, I'd have to do a lot of research about FileMaker. I do not know enough right now <laughs> to roast FileMaker. But I could get there. So is now the time to tell you that I've replaced our invoicing tracking system with a FileMaker database? No. Do Do you think there's a there's like bad blood between the FileMaker people and the Bento people? Like if you go to a FileMaker conference and you say that you right. you used to use Bento, they will look they strangely you. at you and be like, uh, "I'm sorry, sir, but you need to you need to leave the room uh, now. There's going to be security walking you out, like wow. that type of stuff." I wonder actually. Because you know, like why, they, why the FileMaker team look down, like people look down on the Bento people. Like, so, you know, if, so. user. if you were a Bento user and you were ever persecuted by a FileMaker user, send us an email. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I demand an apology um, from, from the notes from team. <laughs> wow. Okay. From wow. the Apple notes team. So, do you remember last week I was having a problem with searching my notes? Yes. Mm-hmm. listener Yossi wrote in and told me that they were having this problem and the way they fixed it was to scroll down to the bottom of their list of notes and then they could search again yeah, make, makes sense makes sense and it, fi- and it fixed it now i can search notes again so i demand an apology because this is one of the most ridiculous things i've ever come across in software before so so to fix the issue you just needed to scroll <laughs> to to be able to search my notes again including the titles like i had titles it was so i had like a note which says October tour 2018. And I would search the word tour and nothing would come up. But so I had to scroll all the way down to the bottom of my list of notes and then it would work again. I don't understand how something like that could happen. It's so weird. That's an incredible bug. Well, (laughs) yeah, it's almost impressive that it's broken in that way. (laughs) Um, Also, do you remember 
I predicted in the uh, keynotes prediction thing that we did mm-hmm. for the iPhones 10 situation yes. that the there will be a clear case for the iPhone 10R. Nothing was shown on stage, but there is going to be a clear case for the iPhone 10R, which I think is awesome. I would mm. love it for my phone. Mm. I would love it for my this phone. This is a weird mm. story. So how this came about, like you said, it was not on stage. Uh, as far as we know, it hasn't showed up in any Apple stores, but it was in the press release for the iPhone XR in some countries, including Canada, which said it was going to be uh, 55 Canadian dollars, which is about $40 US, but not in the US press release, which I think is how it got missed by so many of us. Uh, and uh, not on the store and not talked about. So maybe these cases pop up when pre-orders open, which open uh, Friday, by the way. So you've got Friday. You got a couple days. Is this case real? Was it real? And they got and they're not making it now. And it just they didn't get scrubbed from all the press releases. Maybe the Air Power team was in charge of this case and uh, it got <laughs> postponed. But um, so I guess we'll see if it's actually real. Uh, I, I I hope that it is. I think it would look cool. Uh, I don't particularly like clear cases, but there's a note in the document that says, Federico has thoughts on clear cases. So Federico, please share. Um, my problem with clear cases is that I like them. I, 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 I can appreciate them on principle, but in practice, I hate the fact that every single clear case that I've ever tried eventually ends up being this ugly mix of tiny particles of dust yep. in the back of my yellowy, phone. Right? And it goes a bit yellowy, mm-hmm. and it like, and it's like every time, like every time I try and clean it, I'm like, oh yes, I finally did it. The clear case is clear again. But after ten minutes, it's the same problem all over again. So, if Apple can make a clear case that actually attaches to the phone so well that it doesn't let any dust particle in, um, that's awesome. And I'm gonna try this case. But like every time I try these cases from Spigen, from um, what's the other popular brand? An- like an- um, an- no, I don't know. Not Anchor. There's there's the other one that I don't remember. Uh, but like last year, I bought two of them, and both of them had the same problem after mm-hmm. like not even a month. So that's my thought on clear cases that they're they're nice looking because I I can appreciate the fact that I can actually see the the back of my phone, but they look ugly after a few weeks yeah. because of lint and I dust. think you're right. And I actually kind of have the same problem with Apple's leather and silicon cases because you get that same sort of grit around the frame, you know, where the case mm. meets the phone. And so you're popping it in and out all the time to scrub all that stuff free. So I agree with you. Like I had a clear case probably like on my original iPhone. And that's probably the only time I've ever used one because of this reason. Is like you don't realize how sort of gross everything is until you have a clear case that traps it all. Apple used to sell this keyboard back like the iMac G4 and G5 days, a white keyboard with lots of like transparent plastic at the base. I'll find a link to, uh, in the show notes uh, for you to see this. But with a keyboard, it's exceptionally bad because in like all your crumbs oh, from when God, you eat, that keyboard was just gross town USA. Like it's the worst thing. Yeah. So I'll find a oh, picture God. of this, and it looked. They all looked disgusting after about four, disgusting. four days of full usage. of hair and crumbs. Mm-hmm. That's that's what happened to those keyboards. Yeah. They're just bad. It's best to not know as well because it was accentuated by the fact that there was spaces. Right. There was a lot of gaps in that keyboard anyway. 
right? Which I don't really know why, but like it felt like there was more opportunity. And plus the keys were high, so there was a lot of like depth in the keyboards. When you press down, something could fall in quite easy. Mm -hmm. So there were many factors that led to there being more crumbs Mm -hmm. and human pieces to go in and uh <laughs> that was the terrible. did you say human human yeah because i was thinking of like skin and hair right like oh but God. it is way what would i you, said was an abomination of language shed skin on a keyboard well that's but there's nothing you can terrible. do about it right like that's what dust oh is God. that's what dust is what do you want from me like i can't control this do not see it okay okay that's probably that's probably enough uh but yeah that those keyboards were gross yeah, so there's that. Uh, so like we said, pre-orders for the iPhone XR open on Friday. It's the same thing as with other iPhones. It starts at midnight Pacific. So if you're on the East Coast, it's it's 3 a.m. Friday morning. And I'm they are doing uh, early opening times for stores as well. Oh, okay. Which I was wondering if they were going to do, but some of the London stores are opening at, at the same kind of time that they open for the for the 10s. Okay. So I am I'm very curious to see how this goes, you know. I think it's really unknown how this phone is going to sell. I know several people like out in my real life who are upgrading to this phone and or who are excited about it. Uh and I hope that it does well. I think we'll I think we'll know um you know pretty soon how that how that goes. I think in our sort of nerd community, it's going to be um you know it's not going to be as popular as maybe it is out in the in the wider world, but uh, I would say that if you pick one of these up, uh, let us know what you think about it. Because I don't think none of us are going to have this phone in our household, right? Like I'm not going to. Uh, are are y'all going to have access to one of these? Mm, not directly. I don't know if my mom is upgrading yet. Um, probably because she she's still using like a six S plus. So yeah, she's I'm in the same in the kind market. of boat. But my mum uses a six, and I don't know if she's going to want the size increase. Like, I don't know if she's going to want to have a bigger screen. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking about like taking her to a store at one point and seeing if if it's something she'd be interested in. So that's probably a good way to go about it because because the size yeah. is so radically different. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, no, I'm not planning on having one, but I will plan on seeing them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Somehow, just uh, wandering into an Apple store. Mm-hmm. That's what we do: taking pictures of on Instagram, <laughs> right? Sure. Yep. What people should yep. do. That's what I do. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, so we have some uh, follow out, which is follow up based on other shows. We spoke mm-hmm. a little bit about the Apple Watch face frustration that some of us feel, and there are really good sections of both Upgrade Two Fifteen and Cortex Seventy Six, both earlier this good week. Good shows. They're okay. I think they're pretty good. But uh, they are uh, both both shows kind of tackle this from different perspectives, and I think it was really interesting to hear, especially Jason's take on if Apple is going to have a monopoly on on keyboards and they should do a better job at you know making making watch faces i think i said keyboards but you know you know what i'm saying <laughs> i was pasting a picture of a keyboard in the show notes and i said keyboard but i meant watch face if apple's gonna have a monopoly on watch faces they should do a better job making watch faces. but also if they had a monopoly on keyboards they should do a better job yeah on macbook keyboards. pro team this is also true it's also true sorry that my anger with the macbook pro just comes out sometimes 
I uh, so I'm curious what you think, what we think, if if Apple's ever going to open this up, and if they do, what sort of guidelines they may have to help shape what these watch faces would look like. All right, so uh, I'm still listening to Cortex, so no, no spoilers, please. Um, but here's what I'm gonna say. I'm torn on like sometimes I have like I see my friends having strong opinions and I'm like I don't really have a strong opinion uh but I I sort of agree with part of the points being made um so I agree that I would love for developers to be able to make custom watch faces I would probably go crazy trying to buy them all and collect them all and and try them like multiple watch faces every week but at the same time I don't feel limited by the current system as much as other people feel they are um i think i'm doing okay with the infograph faces that i'm using the modular for workouts and the other one for um everyday life um i think my main problem actually is not with the with the fact that i want more watch faces or that like i keep hearing this comment that like the search for the perfect watch face like i don't have that problem my problem is with complications i want more variety of complications with the watch face that i currently have like i can keep using the infograph face i just want to have more freedom to install complications for everything uh in every single corner of the watch face but also I want complications to be more than simple launchers for entire apps. I want complications for specific things, for specific actions. Like, there's a music complication. Okay, I want a music complication that starts playing a specific playlist. Or I want, there's a workout complication that launches the workout app, and that's fine, but I want a complication that launches my indoor bike workout, that specific one. And you could, you could actually say the same for, like, I don't know, a specific timer or um, launching a shortcut, which, you know, doesn't have a watch app anymore. So my main problem is not actually, uh, oh, I want to have these dozens of custom watch faces. I want to have hundreds of complications and I want to and I want them to be more specific and more personalized. So I would love developers to be able to make them, but actually I think I would prefer if Apple focused on revamping the entire complication framework in watchOS 6. I can get on board with that. I do wish for more flexibility in watch faces though. Like I I'm using the infographic modular whatever the new one and it's fine i don't love it uh but i i like it more than like the other new infograph watch face for for me i think it's just about being able to completely customize a device that you're wearing you know apple's done a really good job on the hardware with that they have multiple finishes they have bands they rotate out the bands every season so you know we all end up with a bunch of them that we really like and I, i could see i could see that being really powerful to like hey you know that this watch can look the way you want it to look. I, I do think Apple would have some sort of framework set up where there are maybe a couple of like overall styles. So like, okay, you can you can make a watch face, but you know you have to have complication support in the four corners or in this middle slot and this bottom slot. You know, having sort of templates so the complications are sort of sort of uh, similar across custom watch faces. But I think what we've seen already from like Steve Trout Smith and others playing with this is that 
there's a lot of really interesting ideas out there that Apple just isn't exploring. You know, uh, Underscore made one that uh, showed uh, the weather, but sort of in, in like around the dial in an interesting way, showing I think I think it had like rain percentage and something else. It's, again, just exploring new things. And I think the argument that Apple is afraid of losing control of the watch face is sort of like, I think that's what they would say. But my thought is that that's sort of a silly stance. Like, I think Apple needs to let, to let go of that. Because if you look at all of our other devices, we can customize them the way that we want, you know, with, with photos and we can change the icons around the Mac, you can do all sorts of stuff. Like the watch should do that maybe even more so because it's so personal. And if they're not going to, then I would expect Apple to spend a lot more time making the watch faces we have more flexible and creating new ones, you know, maybe on a regular basis, like they do the bands, right? Like why can't we have a couple of new watch faces a couple of times a year and some of the some of them I'm sure would be sort of weird like the new like uh what is it the flame and like whatever the, the new ones are with the series four like I don't know who's walking around with that watch face it's cool I'm kind of glad it exists because Apple did it in this really interesting way but just keeping the watch fresh this way would would be something that would be exciting you know I, until the series four I basically use the same watch face for you know, I guess three years, however long the Apple Watch has been around, and they sort of messed that watch face up, in my opinion, on the Series 4, so I changed. Uh, so I, I hope Apple just uh, continues to explore this to make the watch more flexible and to make it more customizable, because it should be. It should be a customizable thing. I find it kind of interesting, really, that if you look at the amount of watch faces that get introduced every year or whatever, Apple seems to create more that are for aesthetic reasons than them for for practical reasons you know so like the kaleidoscope gets added and then they add a bunch more like character ones and then they added the the multiple options like effectively three faces that are the fire the smoke like they add a lot of those and maybe if you added it up it's kind of similar but they add a lot of aesthetic watch faces right that are like primarily to look good than to be functional where like infograph is maximum functionality but then they also added one that makes your watch look like it's on fire right like and there's some there's something that's cool like it looks really cool but kind of the point that i'm driving towards is it is interesting to me that apple makes aesthetically pleasing watch faces or watch faces that are meant to for aesthetics but doesn't allow for people to have something that specifically speaks to them so the reason that i think of this is i wear a watch now that was completely to my style when i chose it and i could have got it from and i could have got a watch from anyone right there is a vast array of watchmakers out there with different styles and i picked a watch that specifically spoke to me and I kind of think that there should be some kind of link there where Apple clearly believes in the ability for people to have watch faces that are aesthetically pleasing to them, but at the same time, people can't customize their watch or get watch faces in the way that they would in the traditional watch world where you find a style that, that works for you and you go with it. So I just find that quite interesting that like they clearly believe there is a place for aesthetics, but only the aesthetics that they currently want to choose. Um, I don't know if it will change. I think it will. I think eventually they will. Like the same company that allowed for custom keyboards 
will at some point find a way to allow people to make custom watch faces, but they just need to find a way to do it. But I have been thinking about this other thing, which, and I don't know what I think about this, but like watches are expensive for a couple of reasons, right? Like actual watches and that you buy that are not smart watches. They're expensive because they are intricately made, right? Like there's a lot of little pieces depending on how it's made. But then there's also a significant markup for style reasons, you know? You make something expensive, it's more luxurious. People understand that, right? Like that's how fashion works, right? You have high markups because it makes it more exclusive, blah, 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 right? We're all on agreement with this point that that is kind of how fashion works like there is you know it it's harder that they put more effort into making it but then they also increase the prices what if there are really expensive apple watch faces like someone charges 300 dollars for a watch face because it's branded by such and such company do you think that will happen I think anything can happen. I don't think it would be too insane to imagine. Uh, I mean, they they make a they make a physical watch with a brand on it. So yeah, the Hermes watch, right? I mean, but you could argue that a lot of the cost goes into the strap, right? Because it's the physical thing. It's a really good leather, and that's blah blah but, blah, blah uh, right? That's a little apple and oranges, I mean, you, though, mm-hmm. isn't it? Because like Hermes can do that because the the brand the straps are sort of their brand. Where like say mm-hmm. that. Your watch uh, company, uh, whose name has escaped me now, Nomos. Like Nomos. What do they? What would they gain from making an Apple Watch face and charging? Oh, I'm not saying it's going to be like Rolex making one. I'm just wondering if like some companies will come in and do it, right? Like that there are maybe companies like Fossil or whatever that might come in and be like, oh yeah, this is our ninety dollar watch face, or just like any type of fashion house maybe that doesn't already make watches could come and say like oh we've designed this thing hmm. and it costs this much and that it becomes a thing i just wonder if that could be a part of it i think we're all mostly <laughs> thinking like wouldn't it be great for third party watch faces because developers could make really cool functional ones but i wonder if subscription could... that's right <laughs> subscription yeah. based watch faces it loses it loses <laughs> 2 minutes a day until you pay <laughs> so funnily enough my my watch actually does lose time so I told you go. it's a feature it, it will lose time until i reset it again like this is just a thing with like watches that are made with springs and cogs yeah it loses like an amount of seconds every day or whatever yeah minus two um mm-hmm. not mapper watch my other one uh can you imagine the outrage if that if you if your idea came to pass right so like there's no money in the app store unless you make games so like if you're making like a utility app, you're just out of business. But if you make a watch face, you can buy a yacht. Like <laughs> that's the holdout for high prices in the app store is watch faces. People would freak out. But you know everything is a race to the bottom. So I don't I don't really see it. I think the idea is interesting, but I think ten years of the market and the app store shows that these things will be a dollar a piece, which is a shame. But it is, I think it's how where we are. Possibly, yeah. So next episode. Of this very podcast, episode 215 of Connected, we will be recording live in New York City one week from tomorrow. So the, we're going to record the show Thursday evening. Uh, it'll be Mike and I and a secret special guest. We won't say who, but it's a surprise, unless you already know, in which case <laughs> it's not a surprise, but keep your mouth shut. It's not a surprise. 
Mm-hmm. So anyways, we'll be in New York. Uh, if you have a ticket, we're really looking forward to seeing you. And if you don't have a ticket, we're going to have the show out, I'm hoping Thursday night, but definitely Friday morning. Uh, the live show will be up in this feed as normal, but we're also going to do Upgrade Live on Monday of next week in Chicago. So if you listen to Upgrade, there'll be a live episode of that. And if you listen to Ungenius, the show Mike and I have about weird stuff we find on Wikipedia, the next two episodes will be live. We're going to record one in Chicago and one in New York, and we'll release them on the regular schedule. So uh, four live podcasts coming your way. Uh, Mike and I. And the Pan Addict's going to be in Toronto. Yes. You want to talk about that for a second? You forget. Uh, Well, yeah, we're we're just we're going up to the Toronto Pen Show, um, and we're going to be doing a bunch of stuff there. So uh, I would assume, though, that if you care about that, you probably already listened to the Pen Addict, and you know. You never know. You can convert thousands of people just now. Could have done. Could have done. Doubt it, but just waiting. Could have. Uh, so yeah, so we're looking forward to being on the road next week. Something Mike and I have been planning for a long time, and uh, we're going on tour. How great a phrase is that? I loved saying that to people. Oh, what are you doing next week? Oh, I'm going on tour. Yeah, it's great. It's gonna go it's so good. Gonna go on tour. So uh, if you have a ticket, we will see you there, and it's gonna be gonna be fun. The live room, the live chat room people are asking if these shows will be live streamed. Uh, if we can do that, we'll announce it on Twitter beforehand, but I I don't want to promise because I'm not sure at this point. Who knows about internet connections in theaters? Definitely not us. So we're going to try, but, uh, we will let you know on Twitter in advance if we can. Is that fair? No. Well, that's how it is. (laughs) Today's show is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. They will let you easily create a website for your next idea or project and will give you all of the tools that you need to make it special. You can grab a unique domain name. You can customize beautiful templates. You can even add a store if you want. Squarespace has all of the tools that you're going to need to make your home online. It is an all-in-one platform that will let you build just about any type of project that you're looking to do. I have been using Squarespace for various things over many, 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 many years now. And it is the first place I go when I'm starting any type of website because I know how to do it. Like Squarespace works for me. I don't know how to code stuff, but I can do it all with Squarespace because everything is drag and drop. What you see is what you get with Squarespace. I really find it a very, very cool system to use. It's super expandable. They have so much functionality. You don't have to install or patch or upgrade anything. They take care of all of that stuff for you. And you can check it out for yourself without needing to pay they have a free trial there's no credit card required go to squarespace.com connected and you can sign up and you can play around and then when you're ready to launch your site to the world you sign up for a plan they start at just $12 a month but you can get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain by using the offer code connected at checkout once again that is squarespace.com connected and the code connected to get 10% off your first purchase our thanks to squarespace for the continued support of this show squarespace make your next move Make your next website. It's time. We have to talk about bagels. I know that's what people tune in for. So the iOS 12.1 beta and the the next version of uh, Unicode's emoji set includes a bagel. We talked about it a while back. Uh, And Apple has redesigned it. So the 12.1 beta has a new design of this. Uh, There's a link to some Jeremy Burr's uh, tweets and a blog post. Jeremy has... The best job on the planet. He saw he's he is on the ground in Bageltown. You say that I don't know if I would want to have been Jeremy over the last. He, he, two well, days. we're going to get into that. Uh, so okay. we should talk about the bagel emoji itself. We should lay the scene. So the bagel emoji 
used to just be a, a bagel, just sliced in half so you could see the bread. It isn't a thing that we no, have no, no, yet. No, 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 I'm just no, saying no, no, say it used to be. I'm just want to say it never got released other than in the bagel yes, channel. Yeah, yeah. Really. That's all it yeah. has been. So it, yeah. it was there for a select people. Um, but there was nothing mm-hmm. on the bagel. It was just a plain, as plain as a plain bagel can be, sliced in half, sort of offset. You could see what it was, but people thought that that was not um, descriptive enough or whatever. And so now the bagel is more textured. I think it looks faker than the previous one. It looks kind of like a bagel out of a Nintendo 64 game somehow. <laughs> it looks like a like an old Xbox. I mean, it texture. straight up looks like they took a photo of a bagel and then did something to it, right? Like it's it is far. Too, it's like they they decided they would make the most detailed emoji that has ever existed as a way to try and stop people complaining. And sometimes that works. So the fried egg emoji is one of my favorites. It's like a black skillet with a fried egg in it, and it looks super realistic, but it's perfect. This has gone too far. This is too real. Uh, it's still cut open and sort of the top is sort of uh, knocked off a little bit. And you can see what I would say is a pretty healthy dose of uh, cream cheese spread on this. So, someone went to town on this thing. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, but not everyone is happy. And I don't eat bagels or cream cheese. So does someone want to explain to me why people are upset? And then I think, Federico, you have some thoughts. Honestly, at this point, I can't explain why people are upset. But 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 people, uh, mostly on in New York or or on or around the East Coast, are still unhappy with the representation of the. Bagel. So we need to be careful because mm-hmm. we're going to New York next week, and we don't want to be run out of town. So. I want to say New York mm. bagels, one of my very favorite things in the entire world. Like, love New York bagels. Like, I enjoy mm-hmm. pizza in New York. It's very good. I like pizza mm-hmm. in New York a lot. So, I'm very excited to go back to New York because I'm going to eat my way through it. Or, I love the food in New York. Um, but I, I honestly, at this point, personally, I can't see what's wrong with this anymore. I mean, on the first one, I could look at it and still know it was a bagel, though it did look a little bit more like a donut. But now. I mean, I look at it and I'm like, yeah, okay. You took a photo of a bagel, right? Yeah. Like, that's just what it looks Shrink like it to down. Me. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I don't, I know that people are still unhappy. I, I can't tell you why. I don't think that any of us are uh, adequately bagel knowledgeed uh, to, to tell you what's wrong yeah, with th- it. Yeah. This isn't the accidental bagel podcast. That's no. somebody else. ABP, yeah. my favorite show. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't speak for bagels specifically um, because I'm not this. from New York. Um, but I have, <laughs> I have a. I want to talk. You gotta give me five minutes to to talk right, about set, like this bigger question, this bigger topic, yep. uh, this bigger topic of um, should we let, um, in this case, Apple or any company uh, based in California dictate the style. Of and the represent the visual visual representation of food emoji based on their own American and specifically Californian idea of that food. Um, and this is like um, if you look in the show notes, there's a link to my tweet that actually gained a bit of traction. I actually shared it as a, a sort of as a joke, uh, complaining about the pizza emoji. This is something that I've been uh, sharing with my own circle of friends for for a couple of years, basically, yeah. uh, that the pizza emoji it doesn't really look like pizza. It's a it's oh, an atrocity. It's- no, no. Google just translated your Twitter handle. You're at tendrils. This is so uh, good. Perfect. Uh, perfect. Uh, just, yeah. Um, 
so the the pizza emoji um as an italian and I, I, like if you know the history of pizza you know the pizza was invented in italy uh it's an italian food that was exported over the course of multiple decades overseas and all over the world and pizza is an italian word and everybody calls it pizza because it's made in italy like originally it was created in italy um but if you look at the apple emoji it doesn't look anything like an italian pizza first of all it's a single slice um it's got pepperoni on it, which is not something that we have in Italy. Uh, the cheese is kind of yellow. It's not white mozzarella. Uh, there's the, the, the mix of cheese and tomato sauce, and th- there's no basil at all. It doesn't look like an Italian pizza. And the crust is, I don't know, it looks like, a, like some kind of frozen pizza or bread. I wouldn't know how to describe it. It looks horrible. Ask any Italian, and they would tell you this is not pizza. This is a, some kind of a American idea of pizza. And the fact that it's a single slice sort of speaks to the idea that this is an American take on pizza. Um, because we like when you go our idea of pizza if you ask an italian close your eyes and imagine a pizza you would imagine a whole pizza not a single slice um so this idea of why why do people because i i shared this tweet and i got up so many replies most of them from italian people saying you're totally right we should do something (laughs) some of them actually many of them many of them when it, many of them saying uh, no because that's American pizza and we that looks like our pizza, and that's where my problem lies of this sort of American exceptionalism of thinking that pizza American pizza is is justified in the emoji because that's what the Americans think and that's what the Americans eat. I think. And this is where the the core of this discussion lies for me. Um, It's just an emoji, right? So it doesn't really matter. But the like, it's it's a silly thing to to argue over. But the idea of respecting the culture of food and respecting where a specific type of food originates from, I think it's important. It's important for certain countries where food culture is really important and where we hold close onto our traditions and our history and our heritage. Because in Italy, food, I wouldn't say that our lives revolve around food, but Having food spent <laughs> a long weekend sure. with you, I would say it does uh, quite a bit right like just the right. the, the amount of right. time that a, a meal can take like it is it is a but very the, central part of the yes. culture which i love i think that's why people but love most it, of like. all most of all we care about preserving our traditions if you like in italy every single region has their own recipes and their own traditions every single city could be associated with a typical meal or a typical food or a typical ingredient it's something that we really care about. And it's something that w- I think in Italy, we do a good job at respecting our own tradition, but also respecting the traditions from other countries. If you go to a trattoria in Italy, y- they don't serve you sushi because they, they, would t- they would tell you, we don't know how to make sushi. Um, it's possible that you can go to a, tradi- to a generic restaurant and say something like, I want to eat Mexican. But it's very uncommon. And it would be very unusual for an Italian restaurant to be that kind of place. We have sushi places. We oh, have Mexican places. Five minutes. 
Done. I don't care. But we try, <laughs> we try to, we try to respect our own traditions. We try to respect the traditions from other countries. And so when I look at this emoji, and I look at, you know, for example, the controversy that there was, I think, last year over the paella emoji. Um, once again, there was actually uh, there was a campaign <laughs> in Spain. Uh, people from Valencia, the which is where the, the original Spain paella falls mainly on the plane. Uh, yes, uh, but people in Valencia are saying like that paella emoji doesn't look anything like our paella, and so I, Apple actually changed the emoji. I think well, the then idea you know what you've of, got to do, don't you? I know, but the idea. This is my 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 the single comment that I want to make that <laughs> the the idea, not the single, but the most important. Right, right the idea right. that an American company thinks that they can design food the way that they ex- they think it looks like without expecting uh these kinds of comments uh i think it's a bit silly and i think it's uh, it should be i think it's important to to not to acknowledge that certain types of food come from certain countries and that it's important to respect the culture and the history of that food and so the pizza looks extremely wrong i understand why people from New York would complain about the bagels, even though it's a silly thing. And even the pizza, it's a silly thing. But I understand why people complained about the paella. I understand why people from other countries are saying that their food is not represented in the emoji. That is not something that Apple can fix because it's a, it's a Unicode thing. But Apple can totally and should fix the representation of the emoji font in iOS. And saying that People in America eat pizza that way is not an excuse for what pizza, real pizza, real Italian pizza, because it's an Italian thing, should look like. You can make an American pizza, you can make a French pizza, but the original is from Italy. Just like you can make Italian sushi or you can make German tiramisu, sure, but like you, I'm not a... I'm not saying that there's pizza and there's mistakes, even though I've said that in the past, but I realize that's a bit of an extremism type of comment. But there's variations, and there's the original, and the emoji should be the original. So, I'm done. I mean, I, I will just provide uh, a couple of points. The emoji is actually called Slice of Pizza, and, and I think you may have mentioned this during your seven-minute discussion. Um that that is why I think it is represented in the way that it is, because it is actually called in Unicode slice of pizza, which does mm-hmm. mean, Federico, that there is space sure. for a pizza emoji. Yeah. You know, if you want to make a, 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 what do they call it? There's like a, there's like a whole process you can go through where you can suggest an emoji. Yeah, you just text Jeremy and it's done. Well, see, I've tried this and he just sends you the forms now. Um, there's like this whole thing that you can do and many people have done it. And like, it's a thing that, that app that, you know, if you want to, if you want to go for it, right, you can, you can go for it and you can try and get a pizza. Um, Apple do call this one pizza, but the, 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 there, there is space in Unicode for a pizza emoji because the current one that exists is just slice of pizza. The other thing that I wanted to just say on this is I would like to exclude myself from uh, opinion on this yes. pizza emoji yes. and the bagel emoji. Um, so if and when people write Why? in, Why? what's what's the controversial right. about what I said? I just... Because the thing is, the thing is, <laughs> no, right. try help me understand what I'm is not trying. To, I'm not trying to make you. Under, I, I don't want to make you understand anything. I, I'm and I, my point is just that, like, 
Let's do it. Uh, just, just rip the bandaid off. Uh, I understand completely what you're saying, Federico. That like to you, pizza is an Italian thing, and it is in a certain way. But like to people in certain parts of America, like pizza is a different thing to them, and they think of it as this. Why do we need oh, to respect geez. people in America? Is that, and what is they that think like about just pizza? a general question, or are we talking? Why, it's, it's why should the emoji look like what what <laughs> Americans eat? So why what, why just Americans? So, uh, let me ask you. I'm not sharing an opinion but let me ask let me ask a question then is the way to fix it apple and these other companies making their emoji more reflective of the culture that item comes from which i think is i think is what you said that's what you want uh or is this is this like a broader problem in emoji and unicode that these things are are not flexible enough so like i can i can long press on the astronaut i can change uh their skin tone uh, should I be able to long press on the slice of pizza and pick Chicago pizza, New York pizza, Italian real pizza? No. Yeah, not under any circumstances should that be what we do because that would be a, a nightmare. The, the problem is, the problem is, this is just a, a, a blanket issue with emoji, right? In in that you have to pick something. So they pick something. And... If you are an American company, this is what you will do for pizza. Like this, a slice of pizza with pepperoni on it is probably going to be to uh, the large American population and maybe to a lot of the world at large, like the the easiest to see at a small scale what a pizza is. I understand a hundred percent what you're saying, Federico. That like. This this actually just doesn't look like a good piece of pizza, slice of pizza, no matter where you're from, right? Like this, the the, the apple emoji, like <laughs> it just doesn't look. The Twitter one's even worse. Look at the Twitter one. <laughs> I don't like Samsung's one. I don't know why there is onion on the pepperoni pizza. That seems like a nightmare. Uh, where is the Twitter one? Oh yeah, the Twitter one is it's like just a, like mm. it, it looks. It looks like they cut a piece yeah. out of clown trousers. Oh, but like, like I, it, you know, I. I feel you. I get you. But like this problem is way too hard to fix. And I don't even know if it can or should be. It's just frustrating after, you know, decades of having American culture and and um, businesses take over uh, many parts of our, like, the food industry. Like, if you look at McDonald's, if you look at Starbucks that is coming to Italy now, like, all these big corporations coming from the United States and sort of taking over the culture of food and, you know, uh, uh, all over well, Europe. maybe uh, this explains why, then, because... They do it because people want it. So what can you do, right? Like, at large, the people, they want the American food. Well, the the, the burger looks like an American burger, so that's Well, there was a problem. whole big thing about that. Do you remember that with the, with, the, with the Google and the cheese? I remember that, but, like, when you're... I feel like when you're, when you're trying to represent local foods with a clear history with a clear but, uh, origin but i don't think they're doing that why like, uh, why do you need to make that why do you need to design that again there's precedent for this if you look at the paella that they got wrong initially like why do you need to design them through the lens is, though, of the united states paella is very specific right like paella is like 
that is a that is a dish which is which is kind of like localized to Spain. And I think at this point pizza is much more universal. Mm-hmm. Like there are lots of places that claim their own pizza in a way that I don't think people claim their own paella. There isn't I don't think there is a New York paella. <laughs> I would love to see it if it exists, but I don't think it is like widely accepted as a thing. But I'm sure you could you could drum up enough of a fuss uh, and start a campaign if you really wanted to. I feel like maybe uh, I, I'm, I'm able to make the point as strongly as I could make it in, in Italian or with Italian people. I feel like I'm, I'm not doing a good job at explaining my position or maybe it's just it's uh, and this is not like a negative comment for you guys. I feel like maybe this is not the right audience to have this kind of discussion. Well, yeah, like, because you're talking to mostly Americans about and why I, Americans I feel like shouldn't be able to control emoji having having this discussion with with Italian people like either on Twitter or with my friends or with my girlfriend like it's a point that comes across extremely clearly and everybody agrees like the we because we really care about the food that we invented and that we exported and seeing the representation that is installed on billions of devices through emoji be the American version is a bit demoralizing. That's all. Well, if it's any, uh, if it's any consolation, I think that, that we understand. And while we can't fix it, I think that we hear you. So, uh, and also our country's probably going away anyway, so it doesn't matter. Let's talk about something nicer after our next break. <laughs> okay. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at Luna Display. Have you ever looked at your iPad and wished you could use it as a second display for your Mac? Or have you heard this sentence right now and thought, huh, I think that would be a good idea? Let me tell you about Luna Display. Because it makes sense, right? You have this amazing display on your iPad. And I think I can speak for everyone that when you're at your Mac, you could always do with a little bit of extra space. You know, you maybe have like a window or two you'd like to keep off to the side. This is what Lunar Display can help you do. It can bring these two pieces of technology together and provide you with a crystal clear image, reliable performance, and wireless flexibility. That is Lunar Display. You can connect everything over Wi-Fi. It's no worries. You just connect, or you can connect with USB as well if you want. It's just this little... It's like a tiny little, I don't even know how to think about it, right? Like, it's either a USB-C or a mini display port, and it just plugs right into your Mac. And it's just this tiny little thing. It's got a little red part at the back that you can pull off. It's super small, super easy, very portable, so you can use it with a laptop. You can, like, throw it in your backpack. It's super simple. When you use Lunar Display, you can set up your workspace anywhere, so you can be productive at the office, in the studio, or on the go. You get more screen real estate without the expense of buying a new screen. Luna also acts as a complete extension to your Mac. It's going to support your external keyboard as well as your Apple Pencil and touch interaction. So it's it's working across with different things. It's really, really cool. And so you can interact with your Mac with a swipe of a finger, which is kind of a wonderful thing. I tried mine out and I was really surprised at how easy things worked, like how the frame rate was was real, was better than I expected it to be, considering how this technology is working. I was very impressed with it. I am super excited about the potential of getting a Mac Mini. So I'm going to buy a Mac Mini when the new Mac Minis come out, if ever. 
and I'm going to plug my lunar display into the back of it, and then I can run it almost like I can have this Mac Mini just in a closet somewhere, and then I can just connect with lunar display on my iPad and get what I need done. And it's just like seems like a great way to run a headless Mac. Like I was super impressed with this technology, um, and I think that you will too. Listeners of Connected can get a wonderful exclusive 10% discount on Luna Display. Just go to lunadisplay.com, that is L-U-N-A-D-I-S-P-L-A-Y.com. Enter the promo code CONNECTED at checkout for that 10% off. That is lunadisplay.com and the promo code CONNECTED at checkout. Our thanks to Luna Display for their support of this show and Relay FM. So there is a, another new beta of Shortcuts 2.1, and it includes uh, a bunch of goodies, uh, so Federico, why don't you walk us through this? Um, sure. So there's um, the new beta um, has new clock actions. So you can stop using your series suggestions to start a timer or um, set an alarm because now it is possible to toggle alarms, uh, like existing alarms by name, to create new alarms directly from the Shortcuts app. Uh, Very as well as happy to... about this. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very good. Uh, good work, Shortcuts team. We needed this. It's I'd brilliant. still... I would still like shortcuts to be able to detect if you're creating an alarm that already exists, like an alarm with the same name, with the same time. Right now, it just creates a duplicate. So there should should be a way to to check if it already uh, is in the clock app. But still, that's pretty awesome. And also, you can set a timer... um, by passing uh, some a variable to the action. So you can actually set a number uh, and say set a timer for 30 minutes, uh, which is basically, I think we're looking, effectively, we're looking at what shortcuts should be in iOS 13. Actions that execute something in an external app and you can pass input, you can pass data, you can pass variables to the action. So you can say uh, set minutes or no, set hours or set seconds and then let me set this specific number. So this is exactly what shortcuts should be for apps, for all apps going forward. Uh, This type of rich interaction that you can use in the shortcuts app. so that's pretty that's pretty good. I'm gonna use a bunch of these uh, for uh, writing, so I can have a t- like a timer kick off for 30 minutes and also a toggle shortcut uh, in the background. Uh, I'm going to uh, yeah, I'm going to use um, the alarms to rethink my good night um, shortcut, and I'm pretty sure that Mike is going to take advantage of this. And it's uh, 25 alarms that he sets in the morning. It's more like uh, 10, <laughs> but yeah, I will be. <laughs> it's, it's it's more like 22, but. <laughs> uh, I believe in accurate representation of my sleeping mm, habits. Yeah, you had to buy the bigger phones; so you could load them all on one screen. That's why. That's why you did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the only reason I like the big phones <laughs> is so I can toggle all my alarms at once. <laughs> I had this funny thing t- this morning, right? Because my alarm shortcuts are totally broken because I'm on like 2.1 beta one. Because it kind of seems like the only person in the world right now who has beta two is Federico. I don't really know what's going on there, but I know yeah, I, don't I don't have, have it. it. <laughs> um, I don't have it. So, but Federico's mm. got it. Uh, but anyway, um, uh, <laughs> what was that? Look at me. Did you make some yeah. salad there? Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm. mm-hmm. But anyway, I care about pizza. <laughs> <laughs> It's very good. Very, it's like I almost can't tell who's speaking. It's, it's a very good I'm really very skilled good at this. But anyway, so uh, at the moment, I can't use my shortcuts because it loads every single alarm and I have to tap something, <laughs> right? So 
I asked a good friend, Siri, and I said, uh, disable my alarms. And it said, which ones? And it showed me a little like pop-up, right? And I said, all of them. And it said, sorry, I can't do that. So I canceled it. And then I said, disable all my alarms. And it said, okay, and did it. That makes sense. It's like, I just... how It's the same... It's the same request, just given in a different step. And it's like, I just don't understand why it can't. But the inconsistency is consistent with Siri. That's true, actually. That's true. I should have expected (laughs) I should have expected the inconsistency, really, like if you think about it. There's also new sharing controls, right? Yes. uh, So if you previously shared a shortcut that you want to delete, you want to wipe completely from Mm -hmm. Apple's iCloud servers, which happened to me before. Yeah. uh, You can now If you want to remove a shortcut that has your friend's phone number in it Mm. from your website, you can do that. Uh, You can now do so. With the press of a button. I want. I wonder. I do wonder. Listed like hypothetical terms, how this feature got added. So I mean, hypothetically, you find yourself in the situation of text, texting Apple to please remove a shortcut, <laughs> then you yeah. could see why. <laughs> Phil, Phil, take it down. <laughs> I don't know if that scales, that everyone can text yeah. an engineer yeah. and That's Apple a, and say, I mean, there's please. business chat, so it could have been a business yeah, chat feature. A business uh, chat please. Feature. <laughs> I don't know, 800 iPhone remove shortcut. It could have been a phone number or something like that. 1 800 <laughs> emergency shortcut. It was like a digit too long. Yeah. Um, so the way that it works is you can reopen one of your old uh, iCloud links. Uh, just uh, they will relaunch the shortcut app, uh, shortcut app, and you will see the shortcut come up uh, in the gallery. And if it's your link, because your link is associated with your device ID, I suppose, um, you will see in your iCloud account, you will see uh, an ellipsis button in the top right of the of the window that appears, and you can say stop sharing, and the shortcut will be removed. The link will be killed on Apple servers, and all the data will be deleted so that's convenient i still wish though that um that the shortcut had like a uh like like a screen in the settings uh to say something like here's all of the shortcuts and all of the links that you ever shared with your icloud account um Right now, you, you if you shared, like me, hundreds of iCloud links, good luck finding each one of them if you want to delete them. Uh, I mean, I have a website, uh, so it's kind of easy for me, but I can imagine like people sharing them on Twitter or Reddit. Uh, like You need to go through all, every single comment and find your links. Also, every single time you share, you, you share a shortcut, a new iCloud link is created for you. So it gets, uh, it gets messy. It gets messy very quickly. Still... If you have a single link, like uh, happened to somebody that we all know uh, a few weeks ago, uh, you can now reopen the link and delete it you? <laughs> from your device. <laughs> somebody we know. Right, uh, right. Everyone so, knows them. Uh, knows. What else? So uh, Also, uh, Apple got kind of sneaky with this one. There's new measurement uh, actions that uh, allow you to convert units uh, and you know measurements uh, inside the shortcuts app. But these actions... Mike, if you open your shortcut app, 2.1 beta 1, you will find them because they were pushed, I think, with an over-the-air update, which is something that Apple can do. What's happening here? Search for measurement in your shortcuts 2.1 beta 1. Now, what you up to over there, Apple? Now, that's different, Mm -hmm. isn't it? 
Mm-hmm. How That's interesting. New. I got comments from a bunch of people on Twitter saying, why am I seeing them now, but I wasn't seeing them before? And the only logical answer is that either an Apple engineer grabbed your phone when you were sleeping and installed a new, different beta, mm-hmm. which could be likely considering how crazy with their schedule, working schedule they are, or... Um, Occam's Razor would suggest they just pushed uh, an over-the-air update with the new action, uh, new actions, which is interesting. Uh, you know, so, some some interesting possibilities down the road, maybe. Did you know that ten fathoms is eighteen point two eight eight meters? I did. Ten, yeah. ten what? Fathoms. Yeah. I don't, what's a fathom? Everyone knows that. What's, <laughs> what is a fathom? <laughs> what is? Can you? What's the spelling of that? F a t h o m. Can't fathom the fathom. And did you know like, that 10 a, parsecs is 308 unit. trillion, 600... No, 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 it's like... three. What's the one after trillion? Quadrillion? Uh, quadrillion? It's 308 quadrillion, and 600 trillion meters, I think. I oh. can't, honestly, I don't even know. There's one, two, three, four... There's five commas. That seems like too a, many for me. A to, fathom is a unit of length equal to six feet, chiefly... Used in reference to the depth of water. Yeah, I'm one fathom tall. Is that is that is that from the TV show <laughs> Six Feet Under? Is that, one do, fathom is tall. that, is that yeah. what it comes one, to? One fathom below. Do you guys remember the, 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 the TV title. show <laughs> One Fathom Below? <laughs> one Fathom Under. <laughs> A Fathom Under. Uh, everyone's favorite show. Uh, <laughs> we have one more shortcut thing we have to talk about. All right. Federico, okay. you did what the kids call clickbait. You tweeted, yay, I finally got air power. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Ellipsis. And shortcuts. Exclamation point. <laughs> so I'm going to open this. Well. Oh, mm. look at that. It's the air power sound. It's not someone crying like mm-hmm. I expected it to be. So how mm-hmm. did you do this? <laughs> it also doesn't catch fire. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a, Well, it turns out that in shortcuts you can access some system files by using a file colon triple slash URL scheme. So you can look in system files how did you located. Find this out? I was going around on Twitter a while back, um, mm-hmm. and then I sort of, I remember, like, I saw another conversation on Reddit, and I sort of put two and two together, Do and I was like, what if I try think that you're going to ruin everyone's fun? Like, when you, no. <laughs> when you do not stuff my like fault. this. That's I'm not, not ready. No, no. <laughs> it's not your fault. But, like, I figure this is how it gets killed, right? Like, when, when you tweet about it. Like, I'm, not, well, I'm not the one writing the code to make this happen. Oh, so I know. It's, uh, uh, My favorite yeah, one, though, is the one you that. shared afterwards, which is just the repeating camera sound, <laughs> which is just really funny. Uh, so, you're, yeah, you're looking in, uh, what's, the, what's the file path? Uh, system, uh, library, core services, um, system library, audio, UI, UI sounds. sounds. But you can also look in system library, core services, and access the springboard. Uh, there was a tweet from a oh while back, God. I think, from Steve Chandler Smith, who zipped up the springboard <laughs> in a zip archive. <laughs> so, <laughs> that, so that's, that's fun. fine. That's uh, fine. <laughs> you may need to email so, it to yourself for later. You know, what you know. Are you supposed to do? Like, so, I, get, I appreciate all of this work, but like, why? <laughs> what 
are you gonna do uh, with that? Automation, man. Oh. On, do, don't you ever find yourself in a situation where, like, oh man, I wish I could, uh, I could make an archive of my <laughs> yeah. Springboard. I, I yeah. need to back it right up. Yeah, now. Yeah. Put it on Dropbox for all the things you, know, you could do with that. So last night I was playing around with this method and I did a bunch of things that I didn't share on Twitter. Mm. I ex- extracted uh, system fonts. So I oh. extracted the Apple color, color emoji at 2x font. I we, all need, we all know you needed it at 2x. Otherwise, uh, yeah, you got to go. You got to go yeah. at 2x. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I extracted a bunch of uh, uh, San Francisco uh, variations, including the Apple Watch ones, which are embedded in the iOS firmware, of course. Mm-hmm. It's fun. You can do you can do some some interesting things. Um uh, I think it will be probably <laughs> removed soon. So if you wanna, if you want to have access to this, uh, what's what's the file extension? C A F CAF CAF files. Calf. Yeah, CAF. <laughs> like baby CAF. CAF. Uh, what what does CAF stand, stand uh, for? S- uh, something Apple com- format. Compressed audio com- format. Com- Think. Okay. Uh, that's not that's not fun. <laughs> when, uh, when Core audio format. Complex. Core audio format. Core, core, uh, calf. Yeah. Core it's, audio uh, format. for caffeine. It was caffeine uh, format. compatible with 10.4 and higher. Mac OS 10.3 needs QuickTime sure. 7 to be installed. Oh, man. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> they so. haven't got shortcuts in there, though. They haven't, they haven't caught onto that on Wikipedia. Mm-mm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, shortcuts, uh, the bigger, the, the more serious comment. I'm happy to see that shortcut, the shortcuts team is continuing to release updates on a regular schedule. Uh, and most of all, that they are somehow collaborating, not to say convincing, other Apple teams to add native shortcuts based on an API that I hope will be made available to developers next year, like the new clock actions or like the new weather actions from the previous beta. So we're looking at what I hope is the future of third-party shortcuts. And it's really good. I'm really happy. I suppose that this is going to launch alongside iOS 12.1, but that is just my assumption. Still, I'm getting ready, and I will have a bunch of nice examples to share when the update goes live. Even nicer than uh, five repeating camera sounds. <laughs> it's sort of stressful to hear that, actually. Yeah, it is. It's a horrifying. I was thinking, thing. like, I was thinking, like, how could I prank my friends with this kind of shortcut? Mm. Uh, I actually thought of uh, like a like a security system where like especially because in the new beta uh so if you have iOS this is a this is a teachy teachy tip teachy tip uh if you have iOS 12.1 beta mm-hmm. installed and shortcuts 2.1 beta 2 you will get support for media actions playing through the home pod right so you need to have the latest iOS beta Wait, what does that mean that I don't currently have it, so it means that all of your shortcuts that play media, so Apple Music, and I think speaking text, will play through the HomePod <laughs> uh, when you invoke a shortcut via Siri. Um, I still need to test this like on the in HomePod, depth. though. On the home, they will play on the HomePod. So all okay. media-based actions that include some form of audio will play through the HomePod. All your actions that include audio. What I so, still want is to be able to define this. That's what I want. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I, yeah. know. I can run it so from the iPad. Here's, here's but my thought. Here's my pod. thought. I was inspired, Mike, by your control of the HomePod via your canary. Oh. And so today <laughs> I had the thought: if 
somebody breaks into my apartment, which I hope it doesn't happen. So then the thought kind of evolved into this is maybe a prank that I could pull off my mom when she comes visit my apartment. Um, I could do something like this. I would get the notification from the canary and I would leave one of my iPads at home or even my iPhone, because now I have my Apple Watch with Seller. I could leave it at home, and when I get the notification, I could speak to the canary and run the shortcut. And the shortcut will play to the HomePod and say very loudly, you're now being photographed, and it will play all the camera sounds and and play a siren uh, through the HomePod. That's not very nice. <laughs> And continuing to play all the camera sounds, saying things like "We're now sending these pictures to the police," oh, <laughs> stuff like that. No, because I can, I can put, I can put any text in the in the speak text action, and I can play the system sounds. So why not? Why not make them believe that two hundred pictures are being taken and sent to the to the policia? <laughs> I mean, uh, you know. Automation. It I think allows this you to is a good idea, things. but not not to your mother. But like <laughs> you're like the kid in Home Alone, but in the 21st century. Yeah, yeah. I always pull pranks on my mom. Okay. Uh, like all the time. Like like even really bad pranks. Like mom, I was in an accident. Like That's stuff terrible. like that. What? Like, like I'm I'm terrible. Why do you I do know. that? <laughs> because I'm a bad person. Your poor mother. Why do you do that to her? Uh, she's she's now reached the point where it, she doesn't believe it yeah, anymore. Yeah, when something bad oh, happens, yeah, like, boy, yeah, cry wolf. Like, yeah. <laughs> she she stays up late yeah. reading your reviews, trying to understand why you work with bees, and you you treat yeah. her so poorly. That's really sad. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I try to, like, she got really upset once because I really made it sound believable, like the something happened. So lately I've been trying to pull pranks more in the style of something happened in Italy. So I would say things like, oh, the Pope died, or what? did you see that? <laughs> what is wrong? What? what is wrong with you? What is the outcome? What is the desired just, outcome just, of this? I don't know, just make her believe and, and listen to her reaction. It's really funny because she believes anything, especially when it comes to like news-based stuff, like this famous actor died or like something bad, something happened, like, I don't know, all kinds of things. Uh, it's, it's funny. And she told, so this is quite funny, she told me that my dad, uh, my, my biological father, used to be this way, like pulling pranks on all the time. And I had no idea. And I had no idea. So it's like, like a common trait, I suppose. In the, uh, in the, the Vatici men, that they yeah. are mean to yeah. just your <laughs> mum, right? <laughs> like, because you don't do this stuff to us. Why is this just localized to your mother? Because it's funnier to hear a reaction, and especially when she discovers that it's a prank. Right. Like, she gets upset. Well, yeah. That's, <laughs> and that's that because there's Sylvia laughing in the background all the time. Like, it's funny. Oh, my. Man. Yeah. That's... Oh, my. It's not, it's not good. Uh, <laughs> so, anyway, the, the police prank with shortcuts will definitely happen at some point. So, now, for the first time in 28 years of podcasting together, I can say... Let's talk about Palm. Is everybody ready? Everybody's excited yeah. as I am? Yep. Remember Palm? They had a bunch of phones, and then they didn't anymore, and then they were gone. I had a Palm Pre. I had a Palm Pre. I love that phone. Yeah, I, that was it was great. great. I had the Palm Treo before that. Before My phone before the iPhone was a Treo. They were around a long time, but they were sort of a, um, a victim of not really catching up after the iPhone came out. And they went mm -hmm. away. The brand is back. Palm is not a company again. This it's it's just the name. 
Uh, and it is a, a a name that's been slapped on a tiny 3.3-inch, $349 Android phone. And the idea here is, I think, that it's supposed to be a, a second phone. So not like Federico's day phone yeah. and night phone, but sort of like a... Yeah. Uh, you, you joke about that, but you know I have a, I have a day watch and a night watch mm-hmm. now. This is a teaser for the next episode, but I have two Apple oh, boy. watches, Series 4. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> but the idea is like a secondary device. So something, uh, you know, like an Apple Watch, you know, like you talked about with the cellular horn, that you can leave your phone behind. You can still get critical stuff on your watch, but you don't have the whole thing. And the idea is that you, if you have uh, a, a phone in Verizon in the U.S., you could buy this thing, again, for $349, and it uh, uses a shared device plan, and it rings your your phone, you get a call, and uh, it runs Android apps, but it's tiny, and so the thought is that you don't want to use it as your primary phone. It's meant to help you with distractions. Um, it has a mode that I think is really interesting called Life Mode, in which it turns off all notifications, and also the wireless radios are shut off when the screen is off. So if you are if you pick it up, the screen's on, the radios come on, you can use it, but then when you put it in your pocket... Uh, the radios turn off, so you you can't be reached then. But uh, the battery, assumingly, lasts forever. Um, so it's kind of like a time well spent sort of sort of idea here uh, between a dumb phone and a smartphone. Uh, so, what is this? Like, is this the thing that's going to be successful? I feel like a smartwatch does all these things, and I only have to carry one phone. Uh, does anybody have any any thoughts? Um. Hmm. Well, you're not going to carry both phones, right? Like, I don't think that's the point. Um, it seems like the point is that you would take this phone when you don't want to be disconnected from the world, but you also don't want to be distracted, right? Like, that you take this one out and... This is your phone for when you're going to on a picnic with your family. Mm-hmm. So you can still take photos, which a smartwatch can't do. True. And you can still get text messages. You can still get maps, right? Like you can still play music via Bluetooth to a Bluetooth speaker. But you're not also going to be like wanting to really check Twitter because the screen is so small. Uh, so small. Isn't that about as big as the original the, iPhone The original screen? iPhone was 3.5 inches. This is 3.3. Yeah. It's kind of hilarious, but mm-hmm. yes, this it's so small. It, it is too small for the types of things we do now on our phones, yeah, right? totally. I think, by and large, is, is a way to maybe better describe it. I think it's not a, a bad idea. Like, you know, it really does... I mean, so this is the thing, right? You can argue, like, would you get this or would you get a smartwatch? But, like... I don't want to wear a smartwatch right now, but I understand the appeal of something like this. And in a way that, like, I would be more willing to trust I could get whatever I needed done on this thing mm-hmm. than I maybe would on an Apple Watch. I mean, right? Because got, you got it runs all the on. apps that Android yeah. runs, right? Like, they're all available, right? Because you could just run them. They might not be perfect, but, you know, like... The Apple Watch on LTE can still only do certain things and it still can only, I can only input into it in like with my voice and stuff, which isn't always that useful or works that well. So I kind of get it. 
do I want it? No. Like, even if it was available here, like, it's it's not really a thing that, that I want to get. But I think I understand the appeal for it and why people might want it with the the time well spent idea, right? Like, but without going nuclear on it and being like, I won't have a phone or like, I'm going to get a dumb phone and just send text messages, right? Like, I, I, I think I understand it. I really don't. Um, like, uh, why wouldn't you just get a smartwatch at this point? Um, right, because as far as I said, I, I don't think smartwatches are capable enough. Like, I think people say to themselves, it would be really great to go out all day and not have my phone with me and just have my Beep. Apple Watch. Mm -hmm. But I don't uh, think as many people that say that are doing that. Uh, well, uh, okay. I'm doing it, but I'm not many people. So All right. So yeah, tell me. I want to understand because you have, if you're doing this, you haven't told anybody that you're doing it. So oh, yeah. explain to me what kind of things you're doing with just your Apple Watch. Nothing. That's the point. But if I need to be reached, I can. No, be no, no. Reached. Like, where are you going, and what are you doing when you just have your Apple Watch on? To the park, to the mall, driving around. Okay. Like the the usual. Like when I when I'm not expecting like a, a a work thing to occur. Like I can tell John Ryan I'm going out and I'm gonna be unavailable for like three hours. And you and have no phone. No phone. No phone. Just the, just the watch. Yeah. Uh, my but mom again, can call it's like, me. It's the idea of that there. Are, of course, there are people that do it, but I don't think as many people that think that they could do it actually end up doing it, right? But because it's the when you're faced with the reality of like no phone, I don't think I would be completely comfortable with that because if something does happen that I need to deal with, it's tricky to deal with with using a smartwatch where it would maybe be a little bit easier with a device like this. But frankly, like. I'm not going to do either of those things, right? Like, I'm I'm not going to get a tiny, small phone in the same way that I'm also not going to be that comfortable with just doing everything from a smartwatch. I am super enthused to hear that you are doing this. I think that that is really cool. I wished I could be like you, but I, I can't be. It's not how I'm built. Mm. Yeah, um, I think it uh, a good part of that is the fact that our businesses run into different ways. Um, I don't need to constantly check my email or reply to many people like uh, I'm terrible at email and that sort of helps um, like it's the, the way that we work is different um, also like I, I can drive around my area without having to use maps uh, so I could use maps on the watch but it's really not as good if you need turn turn by turn directions so there's a bunch of factors that I think uh, are at play here but yeah, I've been doing it quietly, and I just sort of uh, thought that everybody was doing it. Now I realize that maybe not everybody. Well, I know was doing I it. had an LTE Apple Watch for a year and never did it, unless it was like a super yeah, short thing, same. like I'm going down to the corner store. Same. You know, the biggest complaint that I have is I cannot connect my Apple Watch to my car Bluetooth. Uh, I've seen some people have success with it, but I did not. Uh, the Apple Watch gets stuck in the middle of the pairing process. Um, I really love to have, because I have music, I have podcasts on my watch, I can make phone calls. Why wouldn't you let me connect to my car Bluetooth? I think it's some kind of weird problem with context uh, exchange information between the car and the watch. Uh, also, if there's a device that can act as a Bluetooth dongle <laughs> between my, so my car has a USB-A port 
as a as a aux uh, headphone jack type port there must be some kind of device that pretends to be bluetooth headphones for the watch but actually passes audio through to the car if it exists please let me know because i really want to connect my apple watch to my car somehow so also it should be a native feature i don't know why apple is not making that a native feature but still if you have a workaround please let me know how long is the battery life on lte it gets uh, i've noticed that if i go out for like uh usually like our uh, uh, let's say an hour and a half uh it consumes between 10 and 15 percent for okay. me so it's yeah. it, it's a more much more significant drawer of power oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 for sure I figured. Yeah. but I also with the, with two watches it's not really a problem but that's a whole other discussion <laughs> I'm learning a lot of things about you today. Mm-hmm. You're a, a prankster. Uh, <laughs> you have many Apple Watches. You run around Rome with no phone. <laughs> learning a lot of things about you today. But okay, I mean, so basically, what what the, the core of what I th- what I think is interesting is what you're doing. But it's just you're doing it with that device. I think that there is something interesting in this palm device yeah, do i think yeah. it is 349 dollars worth of interesting no i don't i don't i don't think that. how much how much 349 dollars yeah that's way too much okay, which is yeah. you know for a little for it's not a, it's like you know it is it is i think probably fairly priced for what you get when you look at how much phones cost now but i don't know if i would want to do it for 349 you know what i mean like i feel like that right, might be yeah. past uh, the the level that I'm well, it is past the level that I'm willing to pay for something like this. But I I I can appreciate what they're trying to do. I just don't know how much of a market it is, specifically because it is currently locked to one yeah. carrier in the U.S. This episode is also brought to you by PayPal. With PayPal, you can rely on a trusted payments partner that processes over 25 million payments per day. Let me tell you a story about a customer who trusts PayPal to handle their payment processing. Once an attorney in New York City, Linda transformed her hobby of locating hard-to-find items into a thriving luxury consignment company called Linda's Stuff. What was once a passion project is now a 100-person company in a 93,000-square-foot facility. As a company specializing in high-end previously owned goods, reputation is everything. Integrity and trust are a critical part of how the company operates. From day one, Linda has counted on PayPal to help give her customers confidence and protect her business from fraud, even when selling internationally. She's counted on PayPal every step of the way. When it comes to growing your business, PayPal is your payments partner for today and tomorrow. Visit paypal.com slash growth to set up a business account today. Sign up for free right now at paypal.com slash growth. Our thanks to PayPal for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right. To wind, uh, to wind out this week's show, we're going to talk about uh, an Adobe event where they previewed Photoshop CC coming uh, to the iPad. And it's not... Photoshop for the iPad. It's not Photoshop Lite. This is real, like adult version, like belt and and tie and like the real Photoshop, not kids. Kind of will be. It will be. Like will be. They're rebuilding it. They're 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 final cutting it. Right. Like it's (laughs) that they're going back to the beginning. 
basically, and rebuilding Photoshop. But this is the same version that will exist on desktops, but they're adding right. in some more complex features later on. Right. But like, but, this is the the ground up redesign of Photoshop. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Like this, uh, this is not going to be separate from what you can run on the desktop. That's what I mean. Like it's it's the it's the real Photoshop experience. It's a new experience. To your point, that they are sort of going back and rebuilding Photoshop and starting with the most important things. But The Verge got their their hands on it. There's a, a video and stuff in the show notes uh, the, where they covered it. And it is much, much closer to the Photoshop we know today than anything we've seen from Adobe, uh, Adobe in the past. And this feels like a really, really big deal. Jason Snell wrote a thing over at Macworld, we'll link to as well, um, uh, talking about the importance of this to the iPad as a platform. You know, when you think about professional tools... Uh, it's a really wide range of things, right? So, like in our context, it's things like Logic or Adobe Audition or Forecast, you know, audio tools. But if you're in the design world, Photoshop uh, is the king and has been for a really long time. You have Photoshop and you have Illustrator and InDesign, the whole creative cloud. But Photoshop is at the hub of so much of that work, and it's one of those things like it makes perfect sense on the iPad. Something you can take with you. Something you have the pencil. And uh, Adobe spending real time and real money to make this happen. And I think it's super exciting. Uh, we can get into to some of the details, but it is going to be part of the Creative Cloud platform. So if you're like me and you already pay for uh, Creative Cloud, you can just add this. Uh, you, you, it's not a separate purchase or anything. You'll just have access to it. They have a new cloud PSD file format. So it's it's uh, the old PSD format is compatible with this, but it lets you kind of more easily move a Photoshop document back and forth with either Adobe's cloud solution or they showed it using the Files app on the iPad. So you can have things in Dropbox or iCloud Drive and bring them in as well. So like it's integrated with other Apple stuff where Adobe in the past hasn't always done that. They've really sort of been their own island for a lot of the stuff, but they're integrating into what's there. Um, and it's just super exciting. As someone who, you know, I use Photoshop, not every day, but I use it at least once a week for various things. Uh, having that um, on the iPad is a, is a good move. Uh, it feels good. Like I'm, I'm excited about it. Uh, what about y'all? I think it's um, this is probably the first step of um, of of a major shift that is occurring. Um, we're going to see a bunch more desktop apps and entire suites of desktop programs uh, have real iPad versions, not companion versions, not mobile adaptations, but the actual thing, the same thing on every platform. And I think it's a clear direction if you look at what Microsoft is doing, if you look at what Apple is doing for now, just the other way around with iPad apps coming to the Mac. I think it's clear that we are moving toward the future where the same application can be used in multiple places. And it changes, the application changes depending on the kind of computer that you're using. So Photoshop on a Mac uses a trackpad, uses a cursor. On the iPad, you get a pencil and you get touch controls. And there's going to be differences between them. But the main idea of it's the same experience and it's based on a cloud, so you don't need to worry about file management. And it's based on a subscription so you fix the problem of how do you let people pay for the same thing on multiple fa- platforms. And the idea is people really care about an application, they subscribe to it. It doesn't scale for every single app, for sure. 
But for this type of important desktop pro apps, I think it's totally the answer. Something that you depend on, something you want to pay for, you pay for on a regular basis and you get access on every platform. Um, I feel like there's multiple pieces of uh, technology, different technologies, um, different concepts that are sort of all coming together right now in this transition that will occur over the next three years, at least. Uh, this, these things take time. But the idea of we're moving away from this past of you have the computer and you have the phone and you have the tablet toward the space where the phone is the computer that is always always with you and the computer and the tablet are sort of the same thing the idea would be you have a small you have a smaller not small smaller screen that is always with you you have a small screen that's on your wrist and you have the big the big screen that for some people could be a laptop for other people could be a tablet and maybe both of them could be connected to an external display on your desk <laughs> if the rumors about the next iPad Pro are correct so i think I'm excited about the this idea of the desktop and the big screen. Maybe it's it's not right to call it a desktop anymore, but the big screen experience is becoming something that is more fluid, more flexible, and can move across form factors while keeping consistency in the apps, in the software that you use, and ultimately in the things that you're able to accomplish. I am very excited about this. I use Pixelmator right now because um, I'm able to do to work on things on my Mac and on my iPad, right? Because it syncs with iCloud Drive. But I find Pixelmator's UI on the iPad increasingly frustrating. Um, everything's buried. It's organized in a very weird way. Uh, I feel like... It takes 20 taps to do things that take like one single click uh, on the Mac. Like, I'm looking for something which will provide me with consistency and user experience because it's definitely possible to to do that, right? Like the, the screens are so big on my on my 12.9 inch iPad, like I can I can do all of this stuff. Like if this UI shows on the MacBook, why can't I see it on my iPad? Like you know, and so that's why I'm really excited. I will be signing up for this on day one to use it like as, as soon as possible because i i can you know photoshop is a lot more confusing to me than than pixelmator but i'm i'm yeah. keen to learn it because i will have consistency of experience and that is so important you know i i really believe in having that um across devices like it is something that i value greatly it's one of the reasons that i love ios so much because my phone and my main like work device my my ipad they use apps that are similar and they use consistency and user experience and user interface so it doesn't feel like a jarring change when i go from device to device like i like that feeling right like it's why i am personally excited about the potential future of what marzipan will bring um in that i may see more consistency amongst the applications that i use so i am very excited for this um especially because this this really says good things for me for the ipad just in general because mm -hmm. adobe will not have entered into this project without apple telling them it was worth them doing it right yeah 
and they made a big deal out of it. Like, there's a yes. press release on the Apple website. They're, like, they're both making Phil a big Schiller. deal out of each uh, other, right? Yes, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Phil Schiller was on stage at Adobe Max. Like, they they need each other for this, right? Like, Apple needs Adobe to do this, and Adobe needs Apple to continue pushing the iPad. Like, they are both very aware of that this is something, like, this is a mutually assured production i don't know like I, I didn't think of something in time i'm sorry i apologize oh, boy um but they, they are very aware of needing each other to make this beneficial and i'm i'm sure that at this point now like adobe is is helping apple with future ipad designs right like that th- there are specific things which adobe can can ask for and adobe's chief product officer kind of let slip on the verge cast that the apple pencil is going to be more and more important over time and I am very sure that Adobe has had some kind of input on this, right? Because Adobe is saying, you know, we're effectively going to tell all of our customers to buy an Apple Pencil. So we would like a button on it. That's that's effectively what I think has occurred here. So, yeah, I'm 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 very enthused about this just from a software perspective and a hardware perspective. So uh, bring it on, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm super mm-hmm. keen to see these next iPads and then I can't wait for, for this software. It's an exciting time, no doubt. If you want to find links to the stuff we talked about this week, uh, you can check out your podcast app or you can go over to our website, relay.fm slash connected slash 214. While you're there, you can do a couple of things. You can get in touch with us via email for feedback or follow-up or if you just want to Say something nice to your favorite podcast host. Drop us an email. Uh, or you can find us over on Twitter. Uh, you can find Vitici at V-I-T-I-C-C-I. Federico, of course, is the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net. There's a really cool story on Mac Stories right now about uh, old iOS apps that Apple made uh, <laughs> that Federico assigned to me <laughs> that was uh, very challenging, but a lot of fun. There's some other stuff too, but you really just want to read the Apple history column. That's the best stuff. Uh, you can find Mike on Twitter as I-M-Y-K-E. And Mike is the host of a bunch of shows here at Relay.fm. Uh, Relay.fm slash shows. If you like Connected, you'll find something else that you'll love, I'm sure. Uh, you can find me there as I-S-M-H, and I write 512pixels.net. And until our uh, our next episode, gentlemen, say goodbye. Arrivederci. See you in New York, everybody. Adios.